0: what's up everybody how's everyone doing on this thursday march 29th it's seven o two p.m and we're back for episode 80 of the mma ratings podcast we're inching closer to number 100 but i would not be this close to this number without my um partner in crime Shawn hughes how you doing there sir
1: hey thank you very much let me be a part of this show and and uh even though i'm a troublemaker a rabble rouser on on twitter i appreciate you letting me be a part of the show actually one of the better experiences i've had in my life it's been a lot of fun man so i Thank appreciate you, it for. and i enjoy it
0: it's funny we were just having a conversation about the uh, frustrations of this week and man i'm telling you man people 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 better be lucky that we can't put our hands on people in public without the fear of repercussions because there's a, there there's a few people that could catch some hands this week i'm sure
1: uh, who are you? Who are you telling? The worst part, you know, the worst part is most guy, every guy I know thinks he knows how to fight. They never trained, never done anything, but they swear they're nice. And I'm like, they'll look at me because I'm the nice guy, and I know they look at you because you're a nice guy. They're probably <laughs> thinking, oh man, I'll just slap this dude around. I'm like, you don't, you don't even know what would happen if you raised your hand to me, dude. Like the only reason you still existing is because I'm a, I'm a God-fearing family man. That's the only reason you ain't getting dealt with right now.
0: That's, that's really the point, man, and that's really the point. So speaking of people getting dealt with, we are coming up on the end of a quiet cycle of mixed martial arts. We, we, we've had the last two weekends off without any fight cards, and it's been rather refreshing. There's been some interesting news coming up um, that we're going to talk about today, but it's just been an interesting kind of two weekends off. How have you, How have you spent your last two weekends of no MMA?
1: Uh, I, as usual, I got my girls there. They got, uh, their first tournament coming up this Saturday. So, um, I've actually been easing up on them. I don't jump on them so much, so I kind of let them have some room to breathe on this, but still got to get on them a little bit. But, uh, other than that, i just been, uh, doing a little bit of training, and then I got a couple people contacting me talking about, uh, helping out with their fighters, but I'm going to have to start, start dropping that, uh, start dropping that, uh, price on them now. I'm like, okay, the first one was for free. We ain't doing this no more, though.
0: Yeah, man. Send them the Cash App link and just let them know where they can send the
1: money to right out the gate. I'm like, you called me. I didn't call you. <laughs> you called me, dude.
0: Definitely. So um, let's go ahead and talk about some news, man. We have. I wanted to start with a little bit of, of business because I'm surprised this kind of flew under the radar so much like, listening to what everyone was talking about, especially with it being... A slow week this week, but on Monday it was announced that Endeavor is purchasing New Lion. And for people who do not know what New Lion is, it is a technology firm that um, creates opportunity to present um, streaming content online. So, kind of think of think of a of a Netflix for example, or for better um, reconciliation, think of like the technology group behind the wwe network new line didn't do that but think of like think of a team that would do something like that well endeavor mm-hmm. which is uh the new name of WWE img the organization that now uh, that purchased purchased the ufc purchased new line for 250 250 250 million dollars which came out on monday and this is a pretty intriguing uh development here because it seems to be that the organization is setting themselves up to begin to go direct to consumer we know we have UFC Fight Pass which has about four hundred thousand viewers I last read um, as of like February of this year but when you compare that to the WWE Network which is what Fight Pass frequently gets compared to there are about a hundred one nearly 1.5 million subscribers to the WWE Network and at ten uh, at nine ninety nine a pop, you know that's a pretty good uh, pretty good revenue stream for that organization. One of the big differences between the two is that the WWE Network features all of their pay-per-views on the platform uh, for subscribers. So you pay you one flat rate of nine ninety nine a month, and you get all of the pay-per-views that the, that the promotion puts on throughout the whole year. So when you see this purchase uh, of Endeavor purchasing New Line, what are some of your initial thoughts on that? My mind goes directly towards them setting themselves up to create a streaming network of their own. But what were some of your thoughts, uh, Sean, when you first heard about this?
1: I was kind of wondering when somebody would take the next step on that because, I mean, so many people, you run so many shows, actual scripted shows or reality shows through streaming, whether it's Hulu or Netflix, and then you have... On sports side or sports entertainment side you have the wwe i kept wondering why the ufc or wme hadn't taken further steps to have some kind of platform where they could have their content more accessible to people i mean when you have it in that instance you can literally watch it whenever you don't even necessarily have to have it on as it's happening because when it's streaming people can watch it you know pretty much anytime they want and it just seems like a good idea the one side on it is MMA doesn't have the fan base that wrestling does, but having that that sort of active library might actually help expand the popularity of it because nowadays people don't watch events just when they happen. A lot of the times they're watching the event after the fact, and if they could get all the all the all the shows and all the fights and everything transferred over, or they could even come up with their own shows and other stuff as um, what do you call spin-offs of the pay-per-views or the events, and they could have total complete control of all their content. It seems, like, um, it seems like an idea that should have happened actually a long time ago, but I guess Fight Pass was the first step, but Fight Pass, from what I've heard, I, I don't use it a lot. I've heard the service isn't very good and um, that some of the quality they have of the events isn't very good either.
0: Fight Pass is, a, is an interesting tool. In my opinion, the interface is kind of clunky. It's not the greatest setup for um, ease of use. It's not as good as the WWE Network setup, in my opinion. Um, the WWE Network isn't that great, either from an uh, integration standpoint, but uh, UFC Fight Pass is um, it's functional. The, my, my big uh, hang up is that it doesn't... It's not, um, like, I can't use it with my PlayStation 4, for example, so I can't watch... If I wanted to watch content directly from my television, I cannot do that. I always have to use my laptop. But I think one of the big uh, benefits of Fight Pass is that it allows me to stream events like EBI or Polaris. Uh, Glory Kickboxing is on there a lot of times. Invicta is on there. Um, there are some other smaller organizations that are actually on there as well, too. So it is a good spot for, like, a cultivation of... Um, combat sports, especially if the UFC is heading, continuously pushing this um, Zufa boxing platform as well, too, to give them an opportunity to showcase that somewhere. And with their um, television deal uh, coming up for negotiation, I believe, into this year, next year, this allows them to cut out the requirement of having to go to a Fox, to go to a Facebook, to go to a USA, for example, to um, get them to buy into the UFC. It allows them to go direct to consumer and keep that money in their own pockets. Now, we don't know if that's going to go to the fighters or where wherever that may go. That's another conversation for another day, but it does create some opportunity for the UFC across the board to um, increase their revenue if they were to um, set this up like the WWE has set up their network.
1: Well, I just wonder how much, because, you know, with WWE, part of the success of that or a scripted show is that the show, they react to fans, you know, like a character shows up and the fans like that character, that character might become a regular, if not a reoccurring character. In WWE, they know the matches we want to see, they know the names we want to have in, so they're, they kind of cater to the customers. In, U, in the UFC and mixed martial arts or combat sports in general... Sometimes the fans are demanding something and they try to, you know, marinate it or guide it or set it up a certain kind of way, even though the fans are demanding it right now. So if they go to a system where they're streaming and it's direct to consumer, I wonder if that gives the consumer more power now because this is going straight to me. I don't have to watch all the stuff. I don't have to go through these other outlets. So I'm not paying for fights I don't want to see. I'm not paying for things that don't appeal to me specifically or don't pique my interest. You can get by on a Fox car with a bunch of no name people on there. There's a certain segment that's going to just tune into that automatically. But if you have a streaming service and you, and you put content on there, especially live content, if it doesn't have some kind of catch or some kind of appeal as far as the fight goes, people aren't going to watch it. And that's going to cause you to lose money. Like I, I'm just wondering, are they going to have to kind of appreciate the fans a little bit more and cater to them as far as what the matchups they want to see and the fights they want to see, even if it means coughing up more money out of their pockets to give us the fights we want to see?
0: I think it does, it it may create an opportunity for that. Um, something else I was, I was also thinking of, to kind of piggyback off of that, it, is that it could allow the organization to create those bigger fights and those bigger events that we want to see and have the opportunity to be able to afford them, because one of the biggest complaints about the current Fox deal was that it forced the UFC to put together a lot of events that weren't uh, up to par, weren't quality compared to the old, old uh, UFC that only did a couple shows throughout the year. Well, having the ability to go direct to consumer will allow them to limit how many events that they are putting on and, and who's on those showcases. So it does give them the opportunity to kind of do pull back a little bit if that is what they wanted to do on all of these cards that are on Fox and the multiple platforms. But um, I'm not sure if they're going to head in that direction, but it is something that we could be talking about uh, next year if this really does become a full-time platform.
1: Well, I just think it would have to be. It's like the limitation of being on a Fox or something. They want you to take the space they have, the open space, when they, when they have maybe baseball games or football games or whatever that's not really a good draw. They need content, and they need lots of it. As you said, that forced them to create a lot more or events, a lot more fight pass cards and UFC and Fox cards, all that stuff. And a lot of these fights weren't appealing at all, and the ratings reflect that. So if you're going to do straight to c- consumer, then for me to pay this extra money, I have to know I'm getting with what I want because I don't have to watch this. This isn't wide open space that I have to watch. It's a service I pay for. And once I'm directly paying for it, my, my tolerance or my patience for a, a certain level of card, th- it no longer exists. The same card I put up with on Fox TV, I'm not putting up with if I have to sign onto your streaming system. That, that's not going to happen. Those bypass cards won't be acceptable to me.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you there at all. Um, I do hope that this is something that we kind of see come to fruition. That's something that it gets worked on in the future. But it wasn't really talked about uh, this past week, so I just wanted to kind of highlight that in a minute. But I
1: want one question before we change the topic. Do you think they're going to ever put the appropriate amount of money in necessarily to get the return they want? I know the USC's put in money, or the WME's been putting money or whatever, but I feel like they've kind of skimped on things. And for them to get the return they want, I mean, everything, NBA, NFL, boxing, for them to get the turnaround and, and to get the fans recommitted and to get their sponsors, they had to kick in money. They had to take some losses to take two steps. You know, of they had to take four steps back to take one step forward. Are these guys willing to take those hits? That's what the Fertitas did when they got it. They took hit after hit after hit till it broke. And it seems like WMME is trying to lower costs while trying to expand their reach and their influence. And that's, that's really how it works.
0: I think so. I think they will at some point in time. I think they're trying to, um, lower, I I think they're trying to kind of expand their exposure in different ways. Yes, they are trying to lower costs, you know, they've been letting, uh, since they let let staff go right out of the gate, and they've kind of been, they haven't been jettisoning fighters as much, but, um, I do believe that we will reach a point where the they will begin to invest more money in, in, into the organization. I think they're just going about they're doing different things, and I think that they're willing to diversify in a way that the Fertitta brothers were not. And I and my opinion is over the long term that will help. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not sold on the idea of Zufa boxing, but if it's something that allows them to diversify and kind of present another. Product out there that people want to sit down, watch, and see, then um, I'm looking forward to that. Like, uh, like I was speaking to someone, I think early or late last year, talking about what type of viewership does EBI get on um, Fight Pass, and it's one of their um, highest-rated shows there. They they don't release their numbers, but this individual has uh, information or is privy to information about how many viewers come to those type of uh, content opportunities and EBI was one of the one of the higher ones that are on there so i think as they begin to look at what type of co- content viewers are wanting to watch we'll see them invest more money in the organization and in their online offerings to kind of um, level that, that that playing field
1: yeah well, so fair.
0: as we talked about this we talked about the wwe in a sense and um and this week we had a Another kind of crossover news story between professional wrestling and the UFC when Ronda Rousey was featured on ESPN, and it didn't go quite so well. Um, she was having a conversation uh, with, first it was, uh, who was it, Golik? Mike Golick um, and on one of the morning shows, and then it was Max Kellerman in which she was asked questions about um, mixed martial arts. One Golick's question wasn't that great about whether or not she could go back in time and change the outcomes. I mean, of course, anybody would, and Kellerman had a kind of a long-winded question, but it wasn't as bad. Either way, she was still kind of confrontational with both men, and she's been getting a lot of flack for that over the week people are not understanding why she responded in in such a way and it's been pretty intriguing because it's been presented in a way that it's like ronda rousey versus the mma media so my question in regards to this is is a is this a real thing is this ronda rousey versus the mma media um a real story quote unquote and the second part about that is why is this such a popular talking point that will not go away with her
1: well i don't know if it's against The MMA media, I mean, to me, it seems like it's a fight between Ronda Rousey and professionalism. Before I get into this, MMA fighters always say that, you know, the stick and ball traditional sports people have it really easy. You know, they get paid all this money. They get all these luxuries. We don't have insurance. We don't have this. We don't have that. That's a common conversation. And you coach fighters, so you know. I've worked with fighters, so I know the sacrifices they make and the lack of money they get. But, But one of the things they get away with is they don't have to answer a lot of questions. They don't have to deal with a lot of media. The, you know, the kicker on any NFL team has to deal with more pressure and more scrutiny than any, than 95% of most MMA fighters. And this is just another example of that because you have Ronda Rousey who is one of the biggest stars in the world combat sports or stars period. And you see how poorly she ha- interacts with the media. And that's, it's very concerning to me. It, it's just not very professional and it shows you why certain athletes get paid a certain amount of money because this is part of it you have your they ask you tough questions they ask you embarrassing questions they bring up stuff that you don't want to talk about it and part of doing your job is to answer those responsibly maturely and with some sort of entertaining or charm char- charming aspects of your personality that's just part of it i mean mandy pacquiao got made fun of by espn for being knocked out did he go on espn and cause a cause a scene no he did his job and acted like a professional and a lot of fighters don't understand that's what comes with more money and comes with more attention. So when they're talking about all this money they want, they have to be prepared to have answer dumb questions with a smile and answer tough questions with a smile and with some insight. As far as Ronda Rousey against the MMA media, I, I agree with it because she doesn't, she wouldn't give them access. The MMA media is always trying to get her name or get an interview because it gets clickbait or gets clicks. ESPN doesn't have to do all that stuff. She'll jump through some hoops from ESPN, she might jump through some hoops for Fox Sports, but mma fighting and all the different shows they can't they can't pay her enough money to get her time and some of them would talk wrestling with her they talk anything they they would have take any chance they could to have a sit down conversation with travis brown or ronda rousey and they can't get either one of them and it's weird because she made her name through mixed martial arts not as a judoka she's successful as a judoka, but she never had any fame or acclaim through that she's made money acting in movies but all of it came from mixed martial arts and now that she's gotten what she's wanted, and now that she's accomplished what she's wanted, she seems to have no time, no sympathy, no empathy, or no concern for mixed martial arts as a sport, or for the women who, who take part in mixed martial arts who supposedly she was so concerned with. And this is kind of, this is kind of like a, I guess a low blow towards her, but Misha Tate said this years ago. She says, she does not love mixed martial arts. She doesn't love the athlete, she doesn't love the sport, and as soon as she's done with it, she's gonna turn her back on it. And as soon as she was done with it, that's exactly what she did.
0: I mean i'm not going to disagree with you there because that is that is what's kind of occurred i think this is really intriguing to me that it's it's being presented as if it's rousey versus the media you know as, as if it's some as if the media has something that's like out like they're out to get her in such a way because i don't believe that that's that's the case yes i will say rousey does face a variety of um i guess criticism because she is a woman succeeding in a sport that is dominated by male populace i understand that i agree with that and i'm not saying that that is that 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 is 100 false however she's also excelled in a way that has allowed her to transcend this sport she is bigger than mixed martial arts i don't care what anyone says Um, I still think she's bigger than mixed martial arts and Conor McGregor is. We'll see at at some point, but she's bigger than this sport. Anytime you have Beyonce quoting you, you're bigger than the sport that you're in. Anytime you have Tommy Loren quoting you, you're bigger than this sport. You're on Ellen, you're bigger than the the sport. With that being said, with that, I guess that status symbol comes the criticism as well. Yes, she's being critiqued for how she acts. Acted when she was asked these questions on ESPN this past week, and rightfully so. The same way Cam Newton was critiqued for the way he acted after losing at Super Bowl Fifty, the same way LeBron James was 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 critiqued for how he handled the um the announcement when he was leaving Cleveland, and how anytime he does something is uh basically ridiculed and 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 and, and uh, analyzed in such a way. Rousey is at that level where anytime she does something and it doesn't come off professionally it doesn't come off there in, in the greatest of ways. she's going to get that that she's going to get hammered in, in such a way and she needs to understand that and she needs to be cognizant of that when she faces these types of questions yes she may not but, want to talk about mma but that doesn't mean she has to respond the way she does that creates these stories around her
1: but she she should want to be treated that way like the whole aspect and, and the whole aspect when you have women taking over coaches being players want equal pay the whole aspect of that comes with the fact that you have to be accountable. Other fighters who got knocked out, embarrassed, made fools of, have, they've had interviews brought up, they've had their past mistakes brought up. Why in the hell would you think that all, you get a pass? It's not, Nobody's trying to hold her back because she's a woman. They're holding her to the same standard that multi-millionaire, super successful, high-profile athletes get. You know, I mean, everybody, like you listed, Peyton Manning gets it. Cam Newton, Tom Brady, Floyd Mayweather, uh, Saul Canelo, everybody, if you want to have the money and you want to have the fame and you want to be say I'm just as good as men or I'm better, we need our respect, we need our attention, you don't just get the attention when you do good. You get the attention when you do bad, too. Just like when, uh, when she tapped out Kat Zingano, when they were playing all those clips of her doing it and clips of her knocking out Alexis Davis, I don't remember Ronda Rousey saying, hey, go easy on him lay off of them. They're, they're worthy warriors. They're worthy opponents. There was none of that. But then all of a sudden when she was on highlight reels getting knocked out and they were making GIFs and animated little clips about her, then it wasn't funny. Then it was abuse. Then it was attacking her. Then it was, we hate seeing successful women. No, you're getting it just like everybody else. you getting it just like everybody. When Rashad Evans got knocked out got knocked out by Machida, how many times did you see that picture of Rashad knocked out? How many times did you see that? I saw it millions of times. Rash- Rashad ain't nowhere near as popular as Ronda Rousey. Jose Aldo has a permanent highlight reel of him getting one shot KO'd by Conor McGregor which I have seen so many times and, and Jose Aldo isn't one tenth the star that Ronda Rousey is. The fact of the matter is you're in a combat sport or any sport at all, you are a subject, you are open to criticism, people are going to make fun of you, people are going to build you up. I'm not saying they should be vicious, I'm not saying they should be malicious, but for you to be offended because people take some kind of joy in you losing. They took joy in in all the people you beat losing. When you beat up Misha Tate and people took joy in that, I don't remember you getting too defensive. When other people have to answer tough questions, I don't remember you getting too defensive. If you wanna be an athlete, you wanna be taken seriously, you can't have people pulling punches and dancing around you or tiptoeing around you. Because if we have to tiptoe around you or we can't bring up certain things or we can't talk about certain things, then you can't ask for the same amount of money that other people who have to answer all the questions have to to. They get paid. And second of all, as, as I said before, she has never been very good with the media. They've kind of, in my opinion, they've kind of protected her and kind of put her in situations where she can succeed because she doesn't have a natural charm about her, in my opinion. Conor McGregor does. Other fighters are kind of clever and kind of funny. Rhonda's never been funny to me. I'm not saying she's dumb. I'm not saying she's not funny she's never been particularly funny or chatty or charming to me she kind of had an edge as the baddest woman on the planet and she played up to that she could get by with one-liners and quick little things and i'll finish this person and this and blah 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 she's never been a great talker she's never been a great interview she's never been a great communicator i don't know why anybody's shocked by her inability to get through interviews or to be patient or to be graceful gracious in them because she's never shown those qualities anytime she's been interviewed or anytime she's been put under any sort of spotlight it's never happened. I, it's, it's never happened. So I don't know why people are so shocked by her behavior now. This is this is kind of uh, par for the course, if you want to put it that way. But as a fighter, if she wants to, all the people who are complaining that she's attacked me and attacked as a woman, she is not. She's being treated like any other high-profile athlete in her position would be treated. You think it's embarrassing when guys have to talk about their their knockouts or how they threw a pick? They threw a touch. Try to throw a touchdown on the one-yard line? Russell Wilson had to answer that question, but he had to do it. It's part of the job. And if you don't want to do the, every aspect of the job, stop asking for money. Same thing I tell the male fighters. You don't want to go out there and publicize and talk trash? Fine. Shut up and take your paycheck. And if you don't want to answer the tough questions, then stop asking for top money. Don't show up when you need to, you need to, to promote an event. You show up all the time. You don't want to show up all the time, don't show up none of the time. That's, that's how I am. Just be consistent. You either want the attention or you don't. And when you start picking and choosing, you take away from any argument that says you deserve as much as anybody else who does the same job as you because you're only doing part of the job. You're doing the fun part, the winning part. You don't do any other part of that. So I can't, I can't pay you for something you haven't done.
0: You're definitely right. You're definitely right about that. Man, one other thing about this is uh, it kind of stands out to me as well. Um, and I wonder, and I, we're not gonna know until WrestleMania comes and goes, But I wonder if Rousey's really going to bring the MMA viewer with her to professional wrestling. Because what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing is that a lot of people are within the MMA channels are like, why are you guys talking about her? Don't talk about her. Don't talk about her. Don't talk about her. And with her being so we've such a in having such a refusal to talk about mma is she alienating those fans that helped make her into a star to begin with because if the mma base didn't latch onto her so well she wouldn't be doing professional wrestling now so is she kind of alienating herself from that group and in turn will that cause them to not want to turn on uh WrestleMania to see her wrestle with well, that caused them to not want to subscribe to the WWE Network to see her um, perform because I mean she's been she's been on the shows uh, Frequently, I think she's been on like three of the last four since the the Rumble, so I mean she's there, but I want to know if she's going to have that that crossover appeal that people would automatically assume she would
1: I Think you said it best. She's bigger than the sport. So that appeal is already going to be there. She was never the biggest person as far as interacting with MMA media anyways. If you notice, a lot of her big interviews and stuff were done with, you know, I mean, when she made a fight announcement, it wasn't through the UFC. It was with Good Morning America that she was fighting Holly Holm. Who the hell else gets to do that? And I'm not saying she didn't deserve it. She's a big enough star. But who else is doing that? All her big things were doing were stuff that... MMA was a foundation of, but all this stuff you saw, like you never see the foundation of a building, you, every, everything below the ground. You see the skyscraper, all the stuff around it. You, MMA built her, but all her biggest events and her biggest things were MMA related, but they weren't pushed the most through MMA channels. As you said, she's bigger than the sport, so it doesn't really matter that she, she offends some people because she offended people who were fans of the sport while she was the biggest star in the sport. It's kind of the fact of her story, what she did as a woman and what she represents kind of as a symbol that, car- that carries over more than anything about her being a true MMA fighter or being immersed in the MMA culture. She didn't really fight that long in mixed martial arts if you think about it. She wasn't really prominent in mixed martial arts as far as coaching or or being a part of it outside of her own career. A lot of the moves she's made and a lot of the notoriety she's got were created by her fighting. but most of it was taken advantage of in non-MMA media, non-MMA events, non-MMA outlets. So I, I don't think she's going to alienate any more, anybody else more than she would before. If anything, MMA suffered because she brought in people who weren't mixed martial arts fans, who came just to see Ronda Rousey do her thing. They don't, there's a lot of people who don't watch MMA anymore just because Ronda's not competing in it anymore. So I still think she'll be a crossover appeal. I, I think she'll be a crossover appeal. And a lot of MMA fans are wrestling fans so if she can get her her skit her act down she can perform well in the ring P- even people who don't like her as mixed martial arts fans are going to be fans of her work ethic and fans of the product she puts out in wwe I-, I don't feel like alienating d- mma fans is going to impact anything at all i mean hardcore mma fans didn't make her a celebrity it's a bunch of casual fans who did and it's the casual fans who are going to ca- who- casual fans and the wrestling fans who are going to cover who are going to carry her to the next level or or buoy her success moving forward
0: you're right about that man you're right um let me ask you this are you going to watch wrestlemania to see how she does
1: uh i haven't decided yet i i, I probably won't i mean maybe i, I don't think i'll get the paper i might watch later maybe somebody else again i watch it i'm not i wish her i wish her the best i want to see her do well i you know you know this her doing well might open some doors for some other mixed martial arts fighters to kind of go in there. In Japan that's a big thing, in America it's not so much. So maybe it might help somebody else out and I hope she does well in that regard. But I'm not super invested in it outside of I just want to see her do well as a person. I don't necessarily think she's the greatest person in the world, I don't know her. But she's a person who, who faced some adversity and is trying to get her life together and and be successful in something that's very hard to do. I have a lot of friends whose parents were pro wrestlers. So I know how hard it is. So she, it, I'm, I'm interested in her doing well and showing the sport is proper respect. I don't have to watch it like on pay-per-view i can watch it later on i might watch it later on but it's not a life or death thing for me to see her performing in in the wwe
0: and that's the whole point of the actual network you can watch it later on if you want to yeah um so we have a couple other stories to talk about um there were some big welterweight fights announced this week three in Particular where we have Darren Till and Steven Thompson that's now headlining UFC Liverpool. That one was confirmed and officially announced today. Uh, Kamaru, excuse me, Kamaru Usman and Santiago Ponzinibbio. They're fighting in UFC Chile. I don't know what event number that is, but um, Neil Magni and, and Gunnar Nelson, they're also fighting at UFC uh, Fight Night 130, also known as UFC Liverpool. So let's talk about these three fights here, starting with Till versus Thompson. Uh, what, are you, what are your initial thoughts about this fight here? And, like, what do you think about this matchmaking?
1: Well, I, I'm glad that they're finally getting some fights going because for a while it seemed like everybody was trying to jockey for an immediate title shot or something. And nobody is willing to put in because everybody, no matter all the guys have been on win streaks and have looked good. But to me, nobody's been consistent enough or dominant enough against elite type opposition or, or bad matchups where they could demand a title shot. So I'm glad that the UFC is enforcing it and making these guys have to fight guys who stylistically could present them problems moving forward so that they can earn that title shot. I think every guy is good enough for a title shot, but I think they have enough questions as far as their quality of opposition and their technique and skill before they can justify demanding anything as far as a title fight. So I'm very glad that they're forcing these fights to happen instead of just allowing everybody to sit and cherry pick opponents. Um, for the Till versus Thompson fight, I I, think, I honestly think I'm leaning towards Till right now. Thompson is a good striker, but the fact of the matter is a lot of his success comes from the fact he's dealing with guys who aren't seasoned and tenured strikers. It's kind of like in reverse, like you're a gra- you're, you grapple a lot, you're a grappler. If you deal with a striker who's good at grappling, but there's a certain you can you can grapple with him and he might have some good tricks, some good defenses, some good attacks. But the lack of experience, the lack of different positions he's put in been put in constantly, it affects his ability to impose his will or to defend himself consistently against you, whether it's position or submission. Steven Thompson hasn't really fought any really gifted strikers. Darren Till is a seasoned striker, he's an experienced striker, he's got a good skill set. He's very big, he hits very hard, and he likes to use deliberate pressure to cut off the cage and force exchanges. Stephen Thompson isn't used to dealing with that. He's used to dealing with guys who don't know the little tricks, who don't know how to counter or, or counter, who don't know how to cut the cage off, who don't know how to attack the full range of the body or pick their shots or apply deliberate pressure. He's used to having openings to move around and to pick his shots and to throw his volume and to create collisions. Darren Till's not gonna fall for all that because he's an experienced striker. He's gonna try and walk him down, he's gonna try and bully him, he's gonna try and force him to the cage and overwhelm him with his physicality and the accuracy of his shots. And it's very likely that he does it. Thompson is good, he's a good athlete, he hits hard, he throws a lot of volume, but the fact of the matter is he has fundamental holes in his striking, namely the way he backs up in straight lines, his limited head movement, and the fact that he carries his hands low and has really no pocket boxing game. Those are four holes that Till can exploit that everybody else he has faced has been unable to. So I think there's a reason why he didn't want to fight Darren Till. It's a high risk fight with little reward. He beats Darren Till, people are going to say, you're a veteran, you're a formal title challenger, you should beat him. If he loses him, he goes all the way to the back of the line because he's beating a guy who, except for beating a faded Donald Cerrone, hadn't beaten anybody of note. So this is a very risky fight for Thompson, and it's a great opportunity for Till. There's no, there's no losing for Till. He, he loses, it's explainable, he wins, he takes the next step to being a contender.
0: There was something interesting I heard on MMA MMAB today that I thought was a very um, interesting comparison where, uh, uh, what's his name, Danny Segura was saying that he hates this fight because what it could do to Till, how much of a tough test that Thompson has shown himself to be as of late. And he compared it to Yair Rodriguez fighting Frankie Edgar. We haven't seen Yair fight since. So, is that a true opportunity do you see that going down that way and is this such a fight that not only can we see thompson eviscerate a potential contender but really knock him down a few pegs that he's not the man that he uh, once was
1: well the one thing about it is thompson doesn't have a backup plan like frankie people people get so enamored with frankie's stand-up and his, his work rate they overlook the fact that his stand-up's really not that good it's functional it's effective but it's not world-class What helps to stand up is his grappling and his wrestling. So, Yair was getting to to Frankie on the feet. Frankie was able to force the fight on the ground, and that's where Yair Yair had no answers for him. Till, even though, I have a couple of problems with Till. Till is a big, physical, strong guy. To that extent, he he leans on his size to allow him to be effective offensively, and he leans on his size and durability to protect him instead of using functional, effective, consistent defense he'll take four or five shots to land one or two because he thinks his one or two will do more damage than your four or five. So he's gonna give Thompson opportunities to get off on him offensively. The thing about it is, Thompson doesn't have a great chin. We saw that against um, Tyron Woodley. And when Thompson, Thompson gets cracked, Thompson doesn't really react all that well to it. In all the fights he's been in, the two fights where he's really taken a beating or taking some abuse, he didn't look nearly as aggressive, he didn't look nearly as poised, he didn't look nearly as busy as he was in other fights where he was hardly touched. Against Ellenberger, not touched. Johnny Hendricks, not touch. Rory McDonald, not touch. He looked dynamic, incredible, unstoppable. When he fought Tyrone Woodley, he essentially took three or, three or four hard clean shots. And from that point on, he didn't want to throw volume. He didn't want to open up. He didn't want to engage. When he fought Matt Brown, Matt Brown chipped him up on the ground a little bit. You, you didn't see all that dynamic athleticism. You didn't see all that volume. Darren Till is capable of doing those things. The only problem Darren Till is going to have is if, A, he overpursues because if he overpursues and comes in hot, he's going to walk into a shot and get stops. Or if Darren Till decides to fight macho and fight stupid and instead of being a tight, deliberate, focused game, breaking him down, he tries to come in wild or, or tries to force exchanges, in which case he'll get picked apart, he'll get out positioned, he'll get knocked out. But that, that, that's, that's fighting out a character for Darren Till. If Darren Till fights the way he usually fights, he's going to have opportunities to win this. And they're both strikers. Now, could he get knocked out? Sure. But that's a risk against any competent striker. That would happen against Ponzinibbio. That's a risk against Gunnar Nelson. That's a risk against a lot of guys in the division because of, because of his lack of experience and his, de- his sometimes dependency on his chin more than actual technical defense. That could happen against any elite guy in the division. The only difference is Thompson doesn't have a background. Thompson isn't going to take him down. Thompson isn't going to submit him. He doesn't have that game. I don't. I don't believe he has that game. I believe he wants to stay on his feet and exchange and strike. I don't believe that he wants to get into a grappling exchange. If anything, Darren Till might have the advantage of getting into a clinch, hitting an outside trip, taking him down and busting him up on the ground. So I understand what he's saying because there is a risk, but it's no more of a risk than fighting Ponzinibbio. It's no more of a risk than fighting Usman who's a dynamic, concussive striker. He's not a great technical striker, but athletically, he can kill guys. Robbie Lawler can still kill guys. Rafael Desaños can still kill guys with offense. Tyrone Woodley can't. So anybody in the division can do the damage with power that Thompson can do, but they have other routes to go to exploit holes in Till's game. What's the other route that Thompson's going to take where he could really lay a beating on Till that could really damage him psychologically and physically? Frankie had wrestling and grappling. What does is, what is Thompson have that he's shown us?
0: I mean, that's that's strong breakdown there, man. I'm not going to argue that. Um, And I think that that's that's also key because as you said, Thompson doesn't have that second go-to weapon, which is why I think that it was so important that they did not put Till against Usman in this fight here because I I, I think we just see that fight going wrong for Till. Um, Usman has the ability to take down just about anybody in the division at this point in time and i just don't think that that's a fight that we want to see right now maybe if they both win then we can put that together but i just don't think that that's the right type of fight for uh darren till at this point in time And that's why i like the Steven thompson fight uh much better
1: well till, till has star potential the way he talks the he, way does. he carries himself they're trying, and I'm not, they're not giving him an easy matchup, but they're giving him a favorable matchup. When they threw Yair against Frankie, every, oh, this is Yair's coming coming out party. We on this show said, I know I said it, and you agreed with me, Yair is gonna get his ass whooped. He does not know how to grapple or wrestle well enough, and he's gonna, I said he's gonna come out hot on the feet, Frankie's gonna make an adjustment, and when he makes an adjustment, it is over for him. That's, that's much different than this. This is a matchup that favors Till's strengths. Even his weaknesses, which would be his defense, and a little bit of his athleticism, a little bit. He's a good athlete, but Thompson might be a little bit more creative as an athlete. The fact of the matter is, Till comes in so big and is so durable, he has enough physical attributes to offset some of the technical holes that he may have. And as I said before, there's no other avenue for Thompson to go for victory as far as winning. He's not going to take him down 15,000 times. He's not going to tie up in a clinch, because even if he takes him down, Thompson's not a good enough grappler where he's going to try and contain a man who's going to be coming into the cage almost 200 pounds. When you're not a good a grappler who's really seasoned, he'll risk a big guy getting on top of him because he feels he can sweep, he can submit, he can control him. When you're a competent grappler or, an, or a functionally efficient grappler, you're not taking chances like that because you don't know what's going to happen if you get put on your back. You know, you have no idea. And the two times that Thompson has been on his back, he's gotten torn up by Matt Brown. And he got torn up by tyron woodley i understand both of them are better wrestlers or maybe more established grapplers but when you're dealing with a guy who's going to come in possibly 10 to 15 pounds heavier than you a big big thick welterweight coming in like that who's going to essentially be coming in as a middleweight uh you don't want to take any chances in scrambles you don't want to get stuck underneath that guy you don't want to go for a submission and end up in a bad shot with a guy who's got 15 20 pounds on you laying the lumber on you so he doesn't have the options in his game or diversity in his overall mma game to expose Till. He might outstrike him, he might knock him out, but we already know that's a possibility. But I don't see an area where he just outclasses or exposes Till.
0: Some good analysis there. So what about the Pantanibio usman fight here? Is this more, let me, put, let me ask you this way, is this fight more dangerous to Usman than Thompson is to Till?
1: Um, To a degree, I think so, because What they're trying to do, they're trying to do some. When you have certain fighters with guys like Usman's background with the wrestling, where you can, it's a go-to, it's a guarantee that he can get takedowns, he can control the fight like that. You have to put him in against a guy who has enough athleticism, enough takedown defense, and enough volume activity that he's gonna force Usman to fight. He's gonna keep pushing a pace like some guys. You take him down. You've seen this in grappling. You take a guy down, and he might. He could be a better grappler than you, but he's going to accept the takedown, and he's going to work on the bottom to defend or try to get you back off. But there are certain guys who might be a lesser grappler. You take him down, and he's, he makes you fight for the takedown. He makes you fight for control. He makes you fight every moment you get your hands on him. Even though that guy is less skilled, he's, he's going to wear you down or wear on you because you're having to fight for every single inch, every single second of control you have. So he's going to make you have to fight. You're going to waste more energy. You're going to have to take more chances because this guy is pushing you. That's what Ponzinibbio does. His whole his whole stick is him being a fast, dynamic guy, not superhumanly fast, but fast, and a guy who works at a very high pace and a guy who is very physical. He's not gonna throw one or two shots and get taken down. He's not gonna throw, he's not gonna kind of give up the takedowns and give up the range that other guys have given up to Usman. He's gonna come out there and he's gonna make Usman, he's gonna jump right on him, he's gonna throw volume, he's gonna attack the legs, attack the body, attack the head throw punch kick combinations and really get in on him, and make Usman fight for, fight every second of the round and for every inch he takes in the round. And by doing that, he's gonna hope to extend Usman and eventually wear him out. So where even though Usman has multiple ways to win the fight, the fact of the matter is Usman's never been in a position where a guy has forced him to fight and fight hard for three rounds. So that's what makes, his, that's what makes it a more dangerous fight for him because Ponzinibbio, is more of an attack type of guy and he won't be dissuaded by contact. He won't be dissuaded by takedown. He won't be dissuaded by a high pace. We don't know that Usman is capable of keeping one. And we don't know what Usman's going to do when he really starts ha- having to, to take the lumber instead of just laying it on somebody.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, and, and, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing, um, seeing how that fight goes for Usman. He kind of called it when he was saying, uh when he, he kind of called it when he was saying that he thinks that he was going to get Ponzinibbio instead of Till because the UFC is trying to protect Till and that's actually what happened here. Now Ponzinibbio is a dangerous opponent, but I like that matchup more for him right now than I like Till, and I think that a win over Ponzinibbio sets up sets the stage for a um a good fight against Till in the future. What Could I would you, do? Would have, oh, what, go, ahead, go ahead. What I would do is I would find a way to book um to book. Usman Till on the same fight where Woodley fights whoever he's going to fight, if it's RDA or Covington. I would want those guys on Showcase on the same card.
1: Well, yeah, I think that's an excellent idea. My, my issue with Usman is he said he wants to be pushed to the top of the food chain, right? He wants to be in, in, the, in the title talk. That's what he keeps saying, correct? Correct. Fighting Darren Till is not going to get you there. Darren Till has one name win to him, Donald Cerrone. Steve and Donald Cerrone was on the decline and Donald Cerrone is going back to lightweight. So as big as that win is, it's not quite as big as you think, but Donald Cerrone is a name. So if he says he wants to get closer to the title, he wants to be in title talks. He would have to beat someone who's considered an elite welterweight. Santiago Ponzinibbio right now would lead the pack out of these four guys. He's, he beat Mike Perry, who was, he beat Mike Perry. He also beat um, Gunnar Nelson who was on a win streak and I think he had one other win before that. I can't remember who he beat, but he's been on a win streak. He's looked dynamic against guys who were in the top 10. Thompson, he lost to Woodley twice, and then he had a tough fight with Masvidal. Till beat two no-namers, and then he beat Cerrone. So if Usman really says he wants to be pushed towards the title fight, he'd have to beat the best contender out there. And right now, as far as records and and quality wins, and heat on them as far as win streaks, Ponzinibbio is the best guy. And secondly, Usman has not been particularly exciting in the fights he's had. And if you want to get put in against the name guy or the face guy, whoever the popular guy is, you have to show something that's going to pique the fans' interest. And I know it's all about winning. That's what I tell guys I work with. But the fact of the matter is, if you can win, and draw fans or drinks draw some positive attention, that's even better. His last fight turned people off. He won it, he was dominant, but the performance turned him off, and that whole I was only going 30%, that turned people off too. So why he thought he's gonna be rewarded against with a fight against a possible potential poster boy is beyond me. And he shouldn't want that fight either because he wants to be in the title talks. Beating Darren Till will not put you in title talks. Beating Steven Thompson will put you in title talks, maybe. Beating Ponte- Santiago Ponzanibio will put you in title talks. Beating Darren Till does nothing for you. It, not, not really, because Till's, to an extent, Till's just as unproven as Usman is against elite guys. So if anything, the UFC might seem like they're protecting Till, but they're actually doing Usman a favor because if he beats Santiago Ponzanibio, He's ahead of Till. Now Till's got to come to him if he wants to be considered for a title shot because he's beating the better welterweight contender at the moment. It's like these guys don't understand how the game works and they're trying to hustle backwards.
0: Yeah, man, I mean, they're definitely um, definitely making
1: some moves within the welterweight division that are intriguing across the board.
0: Um, Neil Magnus and... Gunnar Nelson, they're also scheduled for the UFC Liverpool, and what are your thoughts about this fight here? Because these are two men who aren't new names in any shape or form. They've been around for quite a little while, um, but they both you know, re- remain within the top 15 of the division. Is this a fight to see who becomes, like, I guess, prime gatekeeper at 175, or oh, 170 pounds? I don't mean that to be totally disrespectful, but is this a fight to see who becomes, like, gatekeeper a within that that group or what is the purpose of this fight when you look at it on paper
1: well regard i mean e- even if magni wins this fight he he's essentially a gatekeeper we, we've already seen the extent of magni against against the second and third tier guys he puts on these win streaks when he faces the elite guys elite talent he f- faces elite opposition nine times out of ten he just loses i mean almost i can't even say nine times out of ten ten times out of ten he loses it's just what he does <laughs> He's a hard worker he's very disciplined he's very well prepared he's very well conditioned he'll give it everything he has but he has never done well against elite talent look what lorenz larkin did to him look what rda did to him he just gets smoked when he faces the very best guys damian maya almost killed this dude and i don't say that disrespectfully damian miles almost killed a lot of guys but he never killed some he Ever done it as, easy, as easily as he did against Neil Magny? Neil Magny is a guy who determines whether you're ready to move to the next stage, whether you're worthy of being, being in the upper top 15, top 10 of the division. Gunnar Nelson is an elite physical talent. As far as a grappler, he's an elite <laughs> grappling talent, and as a striker, he has clear limitations in his game. But he he's As far as his movement, his accuracy, his placement, and his versatility, he's probably considered one of the better strikers. He just doesn't have any sort of in-between game, which routinely ends up with him getting exposed. But if Gunnar Nelson wins this, it just gets him back on track. and has him moving towards being an elite welterweight. If he loses it, now we have to start asking the question, is he going to be a journeyman? Because he's in his biggest fights against Rick Storey, he lost against Ponzanibio, Santiago Ponzanibio, he lost. So now, this is his third time as a charm to prove that he can cross that line and be officially stamped as a guy who's elite. His lead to Neil Magny essentially says, you're not in an elite cal- caliber anymore. No offense to Neil Magny, he doesn't beat elite guys. And so far, even when he beats the guys who are second and third tier, he's not just dominating them, he's not just walking through them, they're back and forth competitive fights. just proves that he's right around that level. At least in Gunnar Nelson's case, he's been able to smoke those guys. But he's gotta beat Neil Magny if he wants to be considered elite. He loses to him, and to me, he can just basically end any sort of top contender talk for the next year or two, next three or four fights. He's gonna have to work his way back into contention and work very hard to get there. Uh, Magny, we already know what Magny is. And even if he wins a fight, I'm still gonna consider him a journeyman. Until he beats somebody who's coming off a win streak and is an elite guy, I'm not ever saying anything different about him. And there's nothing wrong with being a journeyman. I know that's not what he wants to hear, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, but if you're one of the best guys in the world, you have to be beating elite guys, or you have to be completely running through guys who are under the elite level. He has done neither. So I think it's a bad matchup for Magny. He keeps the work pace. He's very active. He's a good grappler. He's not gonna out-grapple, out-grapple Gunnar Nelson. And on the feet, at least early, Gunnar Nelson has enough athleticism and a unique enough style there's a good chance that um, that Magni doesn't make it out the first round. but I, I expect Gunnar Nelson to win this. I think it's I think it's a good matchup style for him. The only problem he has is his style has as far as the leg defense and uh, and the defense of the boxing range is a little suspect. So over the length of three rounds. Magny might be able to turn something on and get him into a position where he can finish him, but usually to beat Nelson you have to have an extended period of time to beat him, unless you just knock him out. And Magny's not a knockout puncher, he's not a dynamic wrestler, and I don't think he's going to have enough time as far as rounds to figure Nelson out and finish him off. So I'm probably going to go with Nelson, and I think this is a showcase fight for Nelson. They're hoping Nelson can win, and I think if Nelson wins, they might put him in against Till because then, once again, that'd be another big name for him to face. Because Nelson's a very popular fighter, especially overseas. So if he beats Wonderboy, they could put him against Nelson next and, and be like, look, he's beat two top 15 guys and, and move him ahead.
0: So looking at the division, I mean, we have Tyron Rillie's a champion. Steven Thompson is ranked number one. Dos Anos Covington. Robbie Lawler, Damian Maya, Jorge Masvidal, Usman, and Till are both tied at seven. Then Magni at 9, Ponzinibbio at 10, and then Nelson at 13. We have Donald Serrano doesn't have any fights booked. I think he's moving back down to 155. And Carlos Condit is fighting Matt Brown coming up. dong Young Kim is at number 15. I don't think he has any fights booked. And Leon Edwards just fought. So this kind of helps shake up that division because it was getting very stagnant. Lawler and Maya are still kind of question marks because they haven't fought in Masvidal isn't booked as well so those three guys between four and six there's some questions there about what to do with those three but this these three fights being announced this week really helps create a more clear picture for 170 i was getting very stagnant very fast
1: well yeah it's good because it's the elite guys because whoever the elite guys are who win or even nelson if he wins what's going to happen is those elite guys are going to move up you know like i said i think till could fight Gunner Nelson next. I mean, because you know uh, he's not a great wrestler. He's a good grappler, but he's he strikes well, and that'll give Till opportunities. Or he could fight Usman, I guess, if he really wants to make that jump. But either way, if he wins, that sets up fights for the elite guys. And if they whoever the loser is, they're gonna need they're gonna need a fight that's gonna either reestablish them or keep them from slipping back. Which means now you'll have fights lined up for those guys who who fall in the second half of the top ten, top fifteen. So it it's really good matchmaking. And like you said, I was glad it's happening because you just had too many guys talking about, I want to fight this person, I want to fight this person, I want a title shot. Everybody keeps demanding title shots, and some of these guys haven't beaten elite guys between them. They've beaten elite names, but they haven't beaten elite fighters, at least not more than one or two in a row, so I didn't feel that anybody was in a position where they could demand anything except another tough fight to establish themselves as worthy of a title shot. So I'm glad the UFC is not letting them sit back and, and try to you know, talk their way through like Steven Thompson's dad was, well, we're not fighting this guy, who is he? Dude, your, your son lost two title shots. He needs to fight everybody in the division and clear it out so they have no choice but to fight him again because none of his fights were either competitive enough nor exciting enough for anybody to give him a title shot or anybody to give him a big name b- based off what he wants. Like, these guys, nobody's accomplished enough. Nobody's in a position where they should be trying to call shots and the UFC is treating them as such and making them have to perform, and that's what I wanted to see. I, I'm all for the fighters getting paid where they're supposed to get paid, getting the opportunities they should get, but the fact of the matter is when you haven't established yourself or you haven't, you haven't put a stamp on your performances, you gotta go out there and fight. You're not a public speaker, you're not an actor. We don't pay to see you do this other stuff. If you're not gonna fight, we, we don't really have much interest in what you're doing, how you're doing, or what you feel until you start giving us what we want, which is competitive, exciting, tough fights. So I commend the UFC for creating these fights and I commend the fighters for not trying to tap dance out of them. And so often they do.
0: Yeah, that's very true. I definitely agree with you on that breakdown there. Um, I mean, with it being such a light week, you know, that's really our entire content for this for this week. Actually, no. Totally, totally, totally almost botched that. Something else I wanted to talk about today, Triple G and Canelo. It's looking like that fight's about to be called off. Um, didn't, there is- didn't
1: I tell you when that first happened? <laughs>
0: Let me see. Like, it's, There's a story that just got posted at 7 o'clock today. Um, NSAC files drug camp complaint against Canelo. I mean, this looks like this isn't about to happen, man. Uh, so I, it looks. It, what are your thoughts about this, man? How big of a blow is this to boxing right now?
1: I don't know if it's a blow. I, like I said, when it first happened, and a lot of people said it's no big deal. I'm like, this is going to be a big deal. This, is, this isn't like something third-rate fighter or something no-name champion. This is the biggest sports combat draw outside of Conor McGregor in the world. And he got caught, is it one or two failed tests? I I want to say it's it's two.
0: Yeah, I think it's two.
1: So, I mean, this is a big story. And um, especially given how much people talk about PEDs and performances and guys who've gotten injured in rings or killed in rings or, or health problems in mixed martial arts, this is the big issue. Um, financially it hurts boxing because this was gonna be one of the bigger pay-per-views coming up. And I don't know that any fight they could match up for Golovkin. There's nobody else he can fight who's gonna get him the who's gonna get him the money or get him the attention that fighting Canelo will. It's just it's just the way it is, because Canelo's a big star. It's like having to go from Floyd Mayweather to fight Adrian Broner. Broner's popular, but Broner ain't getting you Mayweather money. And so from the financial aspect, it's gonna take a hit. I guess from the from the media aspect, it takes a hit too because you know once again, boxing isn't delivering the fight that we want to see. So the the head start that boxing's had in the good year and a half, two years they've had of giving us big name, good, exciting, high profile fights, um seems that streak will be coming to an end if 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 something isn't figured out and that fight doesn't come to pass. True, true there,
0: true there. um I think this
1: is I, one last thing. I I'm actually shocked they're actually considering canceling it. I know. Like, in theory, we know it's the right thing to do, but it's kind of like if the boss son gets caught stealing, you don't really expect him to get fired.
0: Man, they're offering refunds. When have you ever heard of a event this big offering refunds?
1: I mean, i I've never heard of it before, but it's kind of like if they were going to have a fight, and you say it's going to be Floyd and somebody else. Like, you know, Floyd and Connor, and then all of a sudden, Connor backed out, and it was going to be Floyd and Cub Swanson. You better offer a refund. Because, you know, I mean, if you take all the money, I mean, it, that's just something you can't come back from. You, you just, at this rate, I, I don't th- I've never heard of it before, but if they just take the money and run, all they're doing is compounding their problem in how people view boxing as already a dirty suspect sport full of guys who aren't morally obligated to their fighters, much less to the fans who pay their salaries. So if they're really planning on doing this, and they're really gonna cancel the fight. This is the best move they can make because it, it shows that they have some kind of concern for the fight, the fans. And it shows that they respect the fact that fans aren't getting what they want so we're not just going to take your money and laugh in your face we're going to respect the fact you're not getting what you want and we're going to treat you responsibly and accordingly based on the matchup we're going to give you so that would be that would actually be a good pr move, in my my opinion because if they took the money how would you defend that how how would you defend taking the money you've made for these people when you're not giving them the product they asked for i mean and no, knowing that knowing that six months from now you're going to come back to them and say we want more money for you to pay for this matchup. When I just ripped you off six months ago, that's that that would do irreparable damage. They have to do it this way.
0: So man, I mean, like that's probably one. Of, like to me, that's one of the biggest stories of this week because it has so much, so many implications across the board. And it's just, it's something we don't see. It's something we don't see in um, the the fight game that often. The fact that they're willing to cancel, not. Cancel such a major event. Like, we've seen the UFC cancel events, and we've seen boxing uh, cards get canceled in the past. But such a major event like this get canceled over a situation like this, man, that's going to, like you said, irreparable harm to Canelo as a star.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I've, I know we've had the stars in mixed martial arts get caught. We've had some boxing stars get caught up. But this is essentially the same as if Paid Manning got caught on PEDs. You know, I mean, this is, this is the biggest name in their sport, might be the biggest name in two sports, LeBron James got caught in PEDs. You know, I mean, I've just, I've just never seen a guy with the resources and the fame and the attention that uh, Canelo gets get caught up in a, in a situation like this, like actually caught dead to rights. And um, I, while I, to a certain degree, I don't think it'll hurt him because he still has his, his, um, his fan base from Mexico and I guess to a degree internationally. I think it's going to hurt him with sponsors and people moving forward because if you have to cancel a fighter, you get pulled out of a fighter. Let's say he gets suspended for a while. I mean, he'll still be popular, but we're talking about millions upon millions upon tens of millions of dollars lost, if not hundreds of millions of dollars lost, all because one guy tested positive, and he's the big he's the cash cow of the sport right now. So, I mean, boxing, financially Boston is going to take a real big hit. I don't know how they're going to read. How they would manage this or navigate this to make or spin it to make it look better. But this kind of thing is the kind of thing fans, fans don't forget. And definitely boxing writers and people who uh, cover it in the media aren't going to forget because it's going to be the first time ever you've had a fight of this caliber canceled for this reason. Not an injury, not something like that, because the guy failed a PED test.
0: Uh-huh. Flat out failed the, uh, the test. That's why I'm watching. I'm following this story pretty closely to see what happens. But that's such a hell of a story. It's just going to be crazy. To kind of see what uh, occurs.
1: You know, the last thing, I, last thing, as like I said last time we first saw the fight, I was like, imagine if this fight goes through, and let's just say he fights Golovkin. Now Golovkin's looked like he slipped a little bit in his past couple fights, but imagine if he just knocks Golovkin out. I mean, you know where the you, you know where the story's going after that. Yeah, dynamic knockout. But you did fail these two tests. Uh So, what's going on? So, I mean, this is almost, this might almost be the best option if they don't go through with it, because even if he wins, and if he wins in devastating fashion, you know, good lord, how are they going to explain this? You know, no matter what you say, he's going to have that stain on him. And if it's a bad, if if Golovkin wins again, like I thought he did the first time, and it's a bad decision, that makes the the whole sport look even more corrupt. So you got a drug test failing A-side who got beat two times in a row, and he was gifted decisions, one to draw, and now a win? And, I you, mean, can't, and you
0: can't run it back.
1: Yeah, you can't. It, 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 just, this could be, this could be really bad. So I could see, I could see why they, I could see why they're canceling. Because this could, even if the fight goes through, if the fight goes a certain kind of way, this could be really bad for the sport moving forward. This could be really bad for it. Right yeah. now, it, it's kind of bad, but it's really bad for Canelo and Golden Boy. But if he was to win a bad decision by the judges or he was to knock Golovkin cold after being busted on PEDs, the, the think pieces and the articles on every single sports outlet would just never stop. And he'd have to answer that question from now to the end of time. And you know Golovkin people are going to say, yeah, he won fair and square, but he did fail two drug tests. That will get mentioned every time he, he, you mention the biggest win of his career.
0: And let's be clear, you know, it hasn't been officially canceled yet, but it's, I mean, it's, it's looking like it's definitely leaning in that, uh, in that direction, which is kind of surprising to see, especially with the way this story was covered when it first occurred. It was kind of like ho-hum, nobody was really paying attention for it. Now it's like fire alarms are going off left and right, and we're talking about this fight potentially being canceled.
1: Yeah, even if it doesn't get canceled, just the fact that they actually had the conversation, they said the C word is like, what are you, are you serious? Like you know, like you said, it's not even the fact that they're do- they actually done it. The fact that they're actually talking about canceling a big time money fight that drew over a million buys last time. Like you're actually talking about. You shouldn't even be saying that. That shouldn't even come out your mouth. And yet they're openly discussing it, which makes you, which makes you have to take it somewhat seriously.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Um... So, let me know, man. what are you working on this past week? What can we expect to see from the great Sean Humes uh, up until next Thursday?
1: Um I did a piece on combat press that was the ten ten uh, observations, just random or unpopular observations I made, where I basically talk about theories I have about certain fighters, certain camps, certain things they've done, and my my spin on it. One of the things would be. Amanda Nunes and how she disrespected Ronda Rousey's, um, you know, opponents. You know, a couple months ago she did that, and um, I just pointed out the fact that her and Ronda have fought mostly the same people, and Ronda's beat them all faster, and she hasn't lost to any of the people that Nunes has lost to. So it kind of makes her look suspect as a fighter and as a as a student of the game because you're disrespecting someone's opposition and you beat the same girls to get your title shot, and you lost the girls that she beat to, and all the girls y'all beat, she beat them three times faster than you. So it's like, if you're questioning her, I have to question your legacy and your right to be a champion, because all that means you beat up a bunch of under, uh, helpless soccer moms as well. Um, that's just one of the points I made on there. On mixed, on uh, MMARatings.net, I will have a article discussing the Kolykiewicz-Herrick fight, breaking down the things Herrick needs to do to win the fight. Um, I also should be having a part, a piece on Beck Rowling coming out um, that same week. And for severe MMA, I did an article on Artem Lobov and the five steps he needs to take to beat Alex Casares on UFC 223.
0: Good stuff, sir. Good stuff. Always appreciate your insight and input, man. I'm working on basically stuff for pro wrestling as usual. A couple of stuff, a couple of pieces that are still sitting out there waiting to be finished. I have. Um, Some stuff on. I gotta catch up on some ratings work as well. Uh, man, just you know, another day, another dollar. So I don't even. I can't even think about everything I have to do.
1: I have one question about the right. Is pro wrestling easier to cover than mixed martial arts?
0: Yep, I hate to say it. I hate to say it. It is, and it's much and and the people who follow pro wrestling, I it's much more, much more um, into the coverage of it, which is which is totally blows my mind. It's a, uh, it's a no, I, 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 um, I, spectacle and yet you would think we're talking about something that's real here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I believe that. I used to buy all the wrestling magazines. I used to read the article from cover to cover. Mm-hmm. I don't know too many people who buy MMA articles and actually read them through. So I was just curious about that. That that doesn't shock me, but I was just wondering because, you know, I talked to some people who worked for worked wrestling before and they're like, it's easier to get a hold of people, it's easier to have interviews, it's easier to get information. And they asked me what it's like covering MMA and I'm like, dude, like, I actually work with some fighters who have some kind of name and pull, and I gotta, it's like pulling teeth to get anything done over here.
0: That's definitely true. I will, I will agree with you on that, man. So, with that in mind, yo, let's go ahead and close out the show. As always, man, I thank, you for, thank you for having you on. Thank you for being on this team, man. Let's, uh, let's get back at it next week.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you very much for letting me be a part of it. Everybody, you can see us on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, and, uh, a bunch of other outlets we're doing our best to get the best interviews and the best analysis and the best top best and widest topic subject matter we can have for you we appreciate all our fans and we're just going to keep on doing our best for you
0: cool man cool thanks
1: thank you sir